Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Standing on the shoulders of great men of God, Watchman Nee and Witness Lee gave their lives to the ministry of life for the building up of the body of Christ. Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry. Currently, we're well into our study of Hebrews, and Francis Ball is back with us again as we touch one of the really memorable messages in this classic life study. Francis, welcome back to the program. I'm really happy that you've joined us for this particular message. I'm happy to be here and rather excited about this message also. Francis, once again today, we continue on the topic of the Sabbath rest from the book of Hebrews. This is a major topic in the book, as we have seen. And we're going to hear Witness Lee today use a term, the governing principle of the entire Scripture. We're going to see some amazing items related to God's eternal purpose opened up today. So, Francis, to help us fully get into this unveiling, what is this governing principle that he refers to? The Bible is how God makes himself known to man. We may be confused when we read the Bible, but the Bible itself is not confusing. Concerning this matter, it reminds me of a story I once heard of a man who was fitted with eyeglasses again and again. Each time the prescription was changed, but he never was able to see clearly with any pair that he was given. Finally, in desperation, he went to a store where all kinds of eyeglasses were on display. He tried several pair. Eventually, he came to one pair that he liked very much, and it felt he could see clearly. So he took them off to clean the lenses, only to find out there were no lenses in the eyeglasses. This is somewhat description of the problem many of us have had in the past in reading the Bible. Every Bible teacher fitted us with a different prescription, but we still never got clear. Probably what we need to do is throw away all our colored glasses and read the Word with God's eternal purpose in view. Really, the governing principle that will help us in this, the principle of the entire Scripture, is that God has a plan and a purpose. It's unthinkable that God would not have a plan and a purpose. He has an economy, and with that economy, He has a goal. He created man with this plan in view. He wrote every book of the Bible with this plan in view. This plan and purpose is just that God wants to be expressed and represented in man. This is why he created man in his image and after his likeness. And this is why God rested after he created man. To understand any major item in the whole Bible, we must keep in mind this governing principle 
that Brother Lee will point out in today's message. I'm looking forward to this message, Francis. Let's join Witness Lee. To get into any major concept of the Bible, we have to take care of the governing principle. The Bible is of 66 books. It is the whole revelation of God. To understand any major item in this revelation, we have to take care of the governing principle set up and revealed in this holy book. The governing principle of the Bible is that God in eternity past made a purpose, made a plan. And this plan was to express God in his authority. This is the plan, the eternal purpose made by God. And this plan is the governing principle of the whole Bible. And this is fully shown and uh, thoroughly revealed in the first two chapters and the last two chapters of the Bible. In the first two chapters, you see a man was made. God created the heavens and the earth and millions of other items. But all those were not the central thing. The central thing is man. Man was the center of God's created universe. So God made man. And God made man in a very, very specific way. Number one, he made man out of the earth. And he made man in his own image. This one man, this one entity, bears two things. Man bears the earth, and man bears God's image. Man, in substance, was earth, but his image was God's image. And this did express God's image. And this entity did exercise God's dominion. So, God had a rest. And this is the very significance of Sabbath. This was just at the beginning. We go to the end of the Bible, we see the ending. We see the consummation. And the consummation is a new earth with a new heaven. In the new earth, new heaven. The earth is more useful than the heaven. Because the new Jerusalem will not be in the heaven, but rather on the earth. And on the new earth, there is a new city, the holy Jerusalem. And that Jerusalem 
by reading it carefully, we can see it's a living composition. It is not a physical building, but a living composition, composed with living persons, like Peter, John, and so forth, like the twelve apostles of the Lamb, and like the twelve tribes of Israel. It is a composition of living persons. There we can see more clearly that that city bears the appearance of God, expressing God in a full way. And in that city, there is God's throne with God's authority fully exercised. And that is the eternal kingdom of God. So you can see God is there fully rested. God there will get his eternal Sabbath. This is the governing principle of the whole Bible. Francis, I love these messages when we get a picture of the Bible beginning to end and see one thought, one central goal of God in its inception and its consummation. This surely was such a portion. Comment on God's creation of man in his image, then followed by a Sabbath rest, as we've seen in Genesis, and then the New Jerusalem revealed in Revelation, which is also fully in God's image, followed by the complete and eternal Sabbath. This was truly marvelous. Well, that's a big assignment, Chris. To see the two ends of the Bible as they were connected in this message is really too wonderful and too meaningful. It really causes us to see that the Bible has one central thought, that God, the eternal creator, wanted to express himself with his authority in man. And this man, made of the substance of the earth, but with the divine image, was the completion of God's creation. So after he created man, he rested on the seventh day. This is the very significance of the Sabbath. However, this is only the beginning to see how God wanted to express himself in man and created man as he did. But we have to go on clear to the end of the Bible to see the ending. In Revelation 21 and 22, there is the new heaven and new earth. And you have to realize that the earth here is more useful than the heaven because the new Jerusalem will not be in the heaven, but will be on the earth. And at that time, God will have his full expression in a corporate way, and he will have it as a city, but not a uh, physical city, but a heavenly city, which is a composition of living persons for God's expression for eternity. And then you ask about the Sabbath. That's the eternal Sabbath for God, when he rests with his complete goal fully satisfied. It was a big assignment, Francis, and I only gave it because I felt you were up to the task. Thank you for your fellowship. Let's go back to more of our life study from Hebrews. Here's Witness Lee. To know the Bible, 
you need a full view. Do you realize that the universe is of three periods? The first period was before Adam. Before Adam was created, the universe was there already. As we have seen in the life study of Genesis, in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 1, that universe was the universe in the first period of time. How long was that? No one can tell. That was called by some Bible student the age before Adam. Then, from Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, from the recreation, that means from the time when Adam was created, to the end of the coming thousand years, the coming millennium. This is the second period of the universe. After this, there will be the third period of the universe. That will be the new heaven and new earth with the new Jerusalem. And that will be for eternity. The first period of the universe is a period of fall. F-A-L-L. Fall. God created, Satan came in and damaged, then God came in to judge. And that stayed there under God's judgment. That was the universe under fall. Then God came in to recreate. The creation, strongly speaking, was only in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 1. From Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, what started was God's recreation. From God's recreation to God's full completion of his purpose. This will be just about 7,000 years. What period we should call this? The period of accomplishment. It is in this period that God accomplishes his purpose. This divine accomplishment started from the creation of man, but not ended at the second coming of the Lord Jesus. The second coming of the Lord Jesus will not be the ending of God's accomplishment. Because in the old heaven and old earth, after the Lord's coming, still be another thousand years. And those thousand years still will be the continuation of the period of accomplishment. The new heaven and new earth with the new Jerusalem will come. That will be the period of what? That will be the period of the real and full Sabbath. Hallelujah. Our future is just an eternal Sabbath. We and our Father 
and our Savior all will be resting there for eternity. Well, Francis, once again, we're being treated to a marvelous view of God's purpose. There are three distinct periods in the universe, according to this previous section. And this reminds me of a memorable life study that Ed Marks and I had the privilege to work on in Genesis. This view is very important for us to understand God's purpose. Would you review this matter for us again? Well, I'll try. I do realize that these three distinct periods in the universe really help our understanding of the Bible. The first period is covered in Genesis 1-1, the age before Adam, commonly called, you might say, the pre-Adamic age. The time between the first verse in the Bible and the second verse, it's impossible to measure how long a period of time that is. But during that time, which was the pre-Adamic age, something happened in that period that caused the earth to become void, become without form, darkness covering the whole earth. So the second period is from the time of God's recreation. God restored the created earth, including the creation of Adam. Adam's was really a creation, not just a restoration. From that time to the coming thousand-year period, commonly known as the millennium, would probably cover seven, even to 8,000 years. This seems like a very long time to us, but with God, a thousand years is as one day. But after that period, which is the second period, there will be the final period, and that will be the new heaven and the new earth with the new Jerusalem for eternity. So, Francis, really, we find ourselves in this middle period. What is it commonly called? Of course, there are some theologians uh, that refer to seven dispensations. This is categorizing it a little more broadly and generally. This period from the creation through the end of the millennial kingdom. I would say this is a period of accomplishment, where God is accomplishing all that he intended to do. What he intended to do when he created man was to be one with man and to express himself and his authority through man. If you want to see this, you can put the pieces together in the Bible and see what God is after ultimately. And then when you see the end result, you'll realize that it took all this time to really accomplish all the things that he wanted to accomplish by redeeming man, by fully saving man, by getting into man, by man being a corporate representative of God on this earth. It's not just when the Lord comes that this is over. But it's that period of time, that thousand years, it will take that period of time also to complete all his accomplishments in man for him to really have what he purposed, what he planned, and what his economy is working out. Now let's rejoin Witness Lee Francis for this final segment, which again is extraordinary. We're going to get a bird's eye view of the entire Bible showing how God accomplishes his eternal purpose. Okay. Let us come and see how God accomplished his purpose. Firstly, he created man. Man was a picture, a prefigure. But at this picture, you can see the features of God's satisfaction. So Adam was a picture. The Old Testament 
strictly speaking, only tells us two things. One, God's creation of man. The other is God's calling of man. God made Adam and God called Abraham. This Abraham includes Isaac, Jacob, and all the children of Jacob. This is the culprit called man. And this culprit man was again a prefigure of God's satisfaction. And in this compliment, you can see much more than what you could see there with Adam. Adam was just a single man as a photo of God's satisfaction. But now Abraham, including all his descendants, became a complete, a corporate figure. Corporate photo of God's satisfaction. You can see more things revealed in this corporate prefigure. In principle, these two are the same, revealing to us God's satisfaction. These are just pictures, not the real thing. Then the New Testament, the real thing comes. God came to be a man. God himself came to be a man, to be the seed. And he has sown himself into the soil, into the earth, into mankind. Now God came with his full appearance to sow himself into the real earth. For him to accomplish his purpose in a genuine way, he needs to come twice. Could you follow me? Just by one coming, he couldn't finish. He needs two comings. In his first coming, he sold himself into mankind. In his second coming, he will reap of mankind what he sowed in his first coming. So with his sowing, something accomplished. The church was reproduced. So there is a Sabbath. With his sowing, something accomplished. So there is a Sabbath, but this is not the full completion of his purpose. So this needs another coming. The second coming will accomplish more. So the second coming will bring in a fuller Sabbath, a Sabbath more full than the Sabbath he brought in by his first coming. His first coming brought in a Sabbath, a real Sabbath. Not a Sabbath in Fiji, but a Sabbath in reality. Yet, this Sabbath is not in full because the accomplishment of God's purpose 
It's not in full yet. So there's the need of his second coming to complete his accomplishment of God's eternal purpose. So his second coming will bring in a fuller Sabbath than the previous one brought in by his first coming. Francis, what a view today, a view of the accomplishment of God's purpose. The creation of man brought in a Sabbath, a Sabbath in type. Then the Lord's first coming brought in the church, which is a Sabbath in reality. But his second coming brings in a Sabbath that is fuller and richer. Say something, Francis, about this progression in the matter of the Sabbath. Well, the Sabbath follows in every case where God gets what he wants. It's not that he's tired, so he has a day of rest, but it's because he's satisfied with what he has, so he rests. He wanted to be expressed in man, and when he created man, this was the opportunity for him to be expressed. Of course, the fall came in, and we know the whole story of there, so God has to accomplish what he's after by rescuing man from the fall and preparing him for living in man to be expressed through man. So when uh, the Lord Jesus came, that opened the way for God to get inside of man and build up the church. The church is the corporate man expressing God on the earth, and that gives him a rest. That's the real Sabbath, but not full yet. Gradually, throughout eternity, God will have an eternal Sabbath which is the new heaven and the new earth with the new Jerusalem. Francis, it's been quite a picture today. We've looked at God's purpose and seen it unfolded perhaps as never before for many of our listeners. Thank you for being here today. Join us again real soon. Thank you very much. I would like to do that. The toll-free number that we invite you to call to receive the Life Study message is one 888 and the letters Life Study, the number spelled out is 543-3788. For Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you'd like to read the works of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, just visit our website, ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll find over 600 complete titles available to read online free of charge. Witness Lee's ministry stood squarely on the shoulders of his mentor and co-worker, Watchman Nee, as well as those of countless ministers of the New Testament throughout the ages. The riches contained in his life study of the Bible represent the top, the cream of his 70 plus years of ministry and range in topic from lessons for new believers to commentary and exposition on passages from every book of the Bible. But they all contain practical and deeper truths about the Christian life. Again, this wonderful online resource is available to you free of charge at ministrybooks.org. If you have questions or comments about this ministry, or the program you heard today, email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.